Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hi, and welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. Today, we're going to be talking about and reviewing the film Free Solo. It's a documentary that is currently nominated for an Oscar about Alex Honnold, who free solos El Capitan in Yosemite National Park. Let's begin with what is the Free Solo documentary? The Free Solo documentary follows... Alex Hanold, who is a free solo climber. It really is kind of a microscopic inspection of his life surrounding this climb. Although there are some other things that are dragged into the documentary, because it does follow his life and things happen beyond his just training for this climb. It really is kind of like a, a sharp focus on the climb of El Capitan. And it is directed by E. Chai Vericelli, or Elizabeth Chai Vericelli, also co-directed by Jimmy Chin. They are both filmmakers. Jimmy Chin, he aligns himself more as cinematographer. Elizabeth aligns herself more as documentarian. They are also spouses, and they have directed another film together called Maru, which is about three climbers climbing Mount Maru in the Himalayas. Mm. And that movie is unbelievable. And they are the team behind Free Solo. And Jimmy Chin is featured in the film, but we don't ever see Elizabeth at all. Um, we do hear her voice, I believe, at some points. Yeah, occasionally. But for some reason, she's not filmed at all. I understand that. Yeah, no, that's fine. Jimmy is also a climber himself, and his camera crew that he brings along on this venture to film Alex climbing uh, El Capitan are also all comprised of professional climbers as well. What? is free soloing. Let's go down to like the microscopics here. There's top rope climbing mm-hmm. and there's bouldering. Mm-hmm. That's sort of indoor climbing terms. They, they apply, apply to outdoor. outdoors yep. too. Bouldering is where you're not using ropes, but the distance isn't as far. No, you're not that far off the ground typically. You're working on typically what's called a boulder problem. And it starts with the starting point 
working to an endpoint, and then either a redescent down through the problem or a drop, hopefully onto a crash pad, so you're not damaging and any limbs. That is provided to you by the indoor climbing, arena, or you have or your, your own climbing. that you're bringing with you as you're climbing outdoors. Right, because a lot totally. of climbers do that. In top rope climbing, you're wearing a harness and you have a rope attached to you through system of pulleys and carabiners that keeps you safe due to like another climber on the other end of that rope who's belaying who's belaying you up and down depending on where you need to go right beyond top rope climbing if i'm going to bring that top rope climbing one step further and go outside and do it what is the term it's called lead climbing and that's something you can do in an indoor gym there are clips in the wall um there's anchor points that are already into the wall and you are working to attach your rope through those clips or carabiners that are already drilled in you are actually bringing the rope up to that point and basically what that does is it prevents you from if you were happen to fall off the wall as you're climbing there you're anchored to that point whereas if you're top rope climbing you have an anchor that's at the top that is based off pulley a lot of the times the way that it's the rope is set up and you're not clipping your rope in as you're going if you're outdoor climbing the bolts might be in the wall for you, but you may have to also provide the clip itself and clip into that rope that you're you're adding in. Um, and that is the fail safe usually for the outdoor climber. So free soloing is one step beyond this. Right. Free soloing is basically doing what one would do in a lead climb situation, but doing it with no ropes. Right. So it's essentially doing a, a fairly dangerous high climb. Depending on the climb, yeah. Depending on the climb with no ropes. Right. Climbing no ropes, that's free soloing. Yep. Where did you first hear about this documentary? I think you told me, actually. Yeah. You were like, you have to see. I feel like I got wisps of it somewhere, like just hearing like about like the um, the documentary like from someone, but then you were like, listen, you need to watch this. It's really a fascinating documentary. I think it's worth the watch. And I think you're going to really enjoy it because the you, you and I both used to indoor climb, which we yes. haven't really done in a very long time. But it was something that the both of us really enjoyed a lot. And so I think that also lent itself to my fascination with the documentary and enjoyment of it because it was something I was able to relate to on some level, obviously not the free solo end of it. No, 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 me either on the free solo end of it. But yes, I first heard the documentary... I I think when I saw a trailer for it at another movie that I was seeing. Okay. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, wow, I definitely want to see this. So I made sure to see it in a movie that was playing at an IMAX. Yeah. Well, that was that a smart was, move. I think a smart move. Yeah. Spoiler alert. We're about to go through the entire plot of this documentary. Sure. So let's start at the beginning. Okay, so the beginning of the movie introduces Alex Hunold. He is living in a van. Yeah, we get a lot of, it's like a montage of like radio show interviews. Um, so we get a little bit of backstory about him from these radio story interviews. And like there's a book signing at a Barnes and Noble. So, right. And there's a question. And it's evident yeah. that he's a professional climber. Mm -hmm. This is something he does all the time. He yep. speaks to a group of students. He goes back to his actual, his, his old high school. And he right. talks to students there. Now, they don't really get into exactly how one makes money as a professional climber. Like, I get it. He has a book. Yeah. I mean, I guess he I think has it's got to be sponsorships. Some sponsorships he, here he, and there. He did say in that question and answer period with those students at his high school that he had a fair amount of money. He's like a, probably about as much of a moderately good dentist, I think is the analogy is, yeah, he used as far as like how much he was paid. Because someone, isn't too a bad, student I can't did ask that question. Yeah. And I was really glad they included that yeah. in the documentary mm -hmm. because, you know, sometimes 
people who are professional adventurers, like there is a way to do that. Yeah, and there is and, a way to make money off yeah. of doing that. And then there are some people who aren't doing that, but are saying they are doing right, it. Right, right, right. In this section of the film, we also get interviews with his family members mm-hmm. and we hear a little bit about his childhood. They paint this picture of him that is very like he's misunderstood and in school. A little um, bit of an introvert, a little introvert. like nerd, kind of nerdy. Um, Yeah, he was part of the International Baccalaureate program, too. He talks about that. And it was evident that, like, climbing and being outside was, like, the thing he identified with the most. But not right away, like, eventually. Not right away. I mean, he discovered it Mm -hmm. as he, like, got a little older. Yeah. And then during this section of the movie is also where they introduce what free soloing is, Mm -hmm. but then also that he wants to free solo El Capitan. Mm Mm-hmm which El Capitan is this magnificent, glorious uh, structure in Yosemite National Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, that and the Lord made. That the Lord made. And it's one of the, I think even they say that it's t- it's a very tough top rope climb just in general. And it took a yeah. while, it took a long time for that top rope route to even be established, um, which ultimately the route that they take up is the free rider route, which is up the face of El Capitan. Exactly. Someone else they introduce around this time is Tommy Caldwell, who mm-hmm. was a personal hero of Alex's growing up. Mm-hmm. A professional climber in and of his own right. Yep. Professional climber, now a friend, and Tommy is going to help train Alex to free solo El Capitan. Right. Now, something they like make very, very clear in this section of the movie is that no one has ever free soloed El Capitan. Mm-mm. It is sort of like at another level of ridiculous for someone to truly realistically attempt to do this. Well, they also talk about how niche it is within the rock climbing community. I think they say that less than 1% of climbers are free soloists. I believe that's mm-hmm. right around there. So and around this time, Tommy talks is talking to Alex about other free solo climbers. Mm-hmm. And Tommy says he knows like 40 to 50 people who have died yeah. um, from free soloing. And they draw this conclusion about people who free solo it's most of the time only a matter of time right. before the moment where they die. Yeah. They always tend to die free soloing. Right. Yeah, that does add, you know, another layer of very high stakes already in this documentary. Yeah. So then another character gets introduced, and this is the character of Sonny. Yeah. Is who's, it Sonny? So I think it's Sonny, yeah. He Hold calls on. her San San. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and this is his his girlfriend his girlfriend well ostensibly his girlfriend at the start of our introduction to her um there is again in that early montage of like his at a book signing and on radio shows they someone asks about like how has this impacted your dating life being a professional climber he's like it you know i don't have one like yeah because i'm always on the move it's it's really really difficult um so it's interesting to see this character come into play it's not a character it's a real person but it's interesting to see this person enter into the documentary and then to see how her role evolves over time with him during this time alex goes and has his brain tested to see like which part of his brains are like firing off responses right and i forget which part of amygdala the amygdala 
was working, it just wasn't really like responding much. Right. Which is like the part of that houses emotions and sensing risk. And he's a little concerned about it a little bit, like in that moment. I don't know. It seemed like it didn't phase him. We're, I mean, there's more to talk about with I mean, him he as was a person. Like, it, yeah, there is. Yeah. But it, he was a little like, oh, well, is it working? And the doctor's like, it's working. It's but, just not like firing yeah. all the time. Right. Essentially. Then he begins his training for El Capitan. We know he's going to do the free rider route. But there is one section, one tiny little section that is essentially the crux of the whole route, like the the hardest section. And it is called the Boulder Problem. Mm -hmm. And they talk about this in literally every article they write about this movie. It is such a complicated sequence of moves that he has to do in order to get from one spot to the Mm -hmm. other. But one of them involves either a jump or a karate kick. Right. In this section of the movie, he like tries it a few times on a top rope. Right. Like he's exactly he's doing he's all training, this training on, top on top rope. And he tries the jump a number of times and misses. Right. And just like that's that. And he does do the karate kick successfully. Right. It, and they all seem that that's the easier route. But remember also at this point when he's training, he'd also hurt himself. Um, oh, so he's right. there's a little bit of injury recovery that's happening too. There is um, at his, this point on his back he fell yeah yeah he fell he fell while top roping with top roping with sonny yeah Yeah. and so as this is happening we know that he's about to get to the part where he's going to free solo el capitan Mm -hmm. then we see more and more of the documentary film crew right now i was curious if they were going to end up in this movie or not. Mm -hmm. And here is why. Because there's such high risk for his life on this climb. Yeah. And so I knew that I'm sure they had to be going through a lot of like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And I was wondering if any of that conflict was going to enter the film which it did yeah and it i'm does. glad it did yeah it does yeah and i think it's important we also were introduced to another free solo climber peter croft who's a canadian climber his words and advice really weigh on alex a lot because he talks to him about like making sure it feels right and like not pushing it and also like you know how does it feel about alex has a lot of questions about having a film crew and Peter's like, listen, if it's if it's not going to like affect the way that you climb, like if you're not going to climb any differently because of the film crew, there's then and have a film crew like, you know, but if it's going to if it feels wrong and if it feels like it's going to affect the way that you climb, then maybe that's not the best route for you. And I think that kind of really throws his world off kilter a little bit because he does make in that we're in the fall at this point. I believe it's twenty seven. The fall of twenty seventeen, and he does make an attempt. He he goes up. He does and make he an attempt. Calls it off. He um, does, which was I. I'll well, we can call it his first try yeah. to do it yeah. because Jimmy Chen comes in and is trying to figure out how they're going to do this, and so he hires an entire film crew that is also that are climbers. also yep. professional climbers. And so they make this entire plan and go into where they're going to be on the climb and like they've planned all of it. But what they have focused on so well and delicately in the movie thus far is how rock climbing is a mental game. Mm-hmm. And so any sort of, you know, chess piece that is just slightly out of order right. in his mind 
will throw off his ability to right. do this climb. And they all know that. Yeah. And he knows that. And he goes up for this first try and calls it off right. because... It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. I feel like he right. also... I think he says that he, he cheated a little bit. Um, and I, oh, yeah. I don't, he did they didn't really like explain that. how, but at one point in the film, they show him grabbing like a clip hold. Um, and I don't know if that's what he was oh. considering. Like, yeah, I, I totally cheated here. Oh, um, and I'm pretty sure that probably is what it could be because especially they focus in on that. He spends a lot of time when he's practicing, like writing down exactly right. how... He journals. Yeah, he journals, but he, he doesn't journal about his feelings. No. And they make a <laughs> they joke talk about, about that, that in the movie. Yeah. But he journals about his process of figuring out how to get from point A to point B. Right. And it's a lot of like right foot yeah. to this rock. Yeah. And then grab onto this left hold with your fingertips. Yeah, it's, it was pretty intense. It was a little Rain Man-esque there. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. After this failed first try, yeah. they have to reevaluate how they're going to film this. Right. And if they're going to film this. And they can't really do it through the winter. So no. we get a little bit more of a glimpse into like, he, they go to train elsewhere. They were somewhere abroad for a while doing some training. And I think it was also a little bit of getting over the injury. He had a sprained ankle and not feeling like that was going to be a detriment to him and while he was climbing. On from, right. you know, moving on from the try. first try. They also see a little bit of domesticity and like a little bit more settling down with... Sonny. He's buying a house yep. with Sonny. Yeah. We get a little more of their relationship. This is when Sonny is becoming more important to him. Right. Does she get an opinion about this right. kind of risky climbing that he does? Yeah. Or does she not? And or when does she is essentially right. the question. Right. And so eventually we we end up back in Yosemite in the spring we of do. the following year. The way that they decide to film him doing this is that there can't be any other people Mm -hmm. with him on the wall at all. So they basically just set up a whole bunch of cameras. Yep, remote cameras. Remote cameras all over the place and then from somewhere else far away. Have really great telephoto lenses exactly. to capture it. And, and so, some drones too. And some that drones. That are far enough away that it's not going to be a disturbance. Exactly. And they're basically in this house like far away where they have their monitors where they're looking at everything. What Jimmy Chin said is that they didn't know and they wouldn't know if they had gotten everything they needed in order to film it until he was done. Yeah. He gets into this place in this moment of the movie where he's like, I need to go up there when I feel like it's right. Right. So why don't you just get all the cameras set up and I'm just going to let you know if like in two hours I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so that is what they did. And then he set off very early in the morning. And so all of them just like ran to their cameras and made sure they were on to film it when he started. And I think it was like something like a three or three and a half hour ascent. It wasn't incredibly long like in the grand scheme of like in the grand scheme of things things. yeah i mean go find pictures of him doing this or go see the film because i mean it is i mean tiny little movements but then sometimes he was like gaining traction and Mm -hmm. like there was this whole time when he was going up the wall where they were like oh he moved through this really fast yeah he moved through this really fast they're like yeah i can't believe they're and they were able to estimate time based off of like his past climbs to kind of see how fast he would get to a spot and they were kind of like blown away with how quickly he was doing clearly he was in his own yeah like where it was like and i'm just gonna power through he made this one move when he got through the boulder problem mm-hmm. 
he looked at the camera and was like, yeah, yeah. I did yeah. that. Oh, and yeah. Like, the camera was like far enough away, but he knew where it was. Yeah, he was like so hot, he had riding high. some consciousness yeah. about where cameras were placed, mm-hmm. but not, um, there was no one up there. Yeah. He made these scents in like three and a half hours. Yeah. No, Spoiler alert. <laughs> no ropes. No ropes. And he with, free soloed that. Yeah. And with so, that, let's take a break. So um, we're going to play a game and this game is called free association. Ooh. So um, free solo, like free solo. So free solo is um, a term that's used to describe an attempted climb without top rope up a mountainside. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, I'm going to give you a clue and I'm going to ask you to guess the terminology here that starts with the word free. It's a compound word game. Free association. Okay. Here All we right. go. When you take a hit of a drug that is pure. Free ball? No. I should add that onto the list. It's free base. When you are at the grocery store and you take a piece of cheese, which is gratis. Free sample. Free sample. Great. I would have also accepted freebie. Give me liberty. Give me death. Um, we're talking about this terminology. Also would be associated with our country. Freedom. Yeah, freedom. Um, when you work as a artist, designer, and you do the work outside of a company. Freelance. When you are driving on this type of roadway that's not a highway, but it's a... Freeway. When you are opening a portion of your icebox that is the coldest, it is a... Freezer. There you go. Free Perfect. association. And now back to the review. In the first part of this trail mix, you heard us give the summary of what Free Solo, the documentary, is. Mm -hmm. And now let's get into thoughts, feelings, opinions. Okay. So, Mike, what are your general thoughts, feelings, opinions on this film? I really enjoyed the film. Um, I thought it was a really fascinating glimpse at this one person's, like, laser focus goal to do this very specific, very difficult thing. I thought it was really just kind of a a fascinating way to glimpse a portion of Yosemite because they really don't talk about the park itself that much. It really is the focus on El Capitan. But it it does provide like an interesting sliver of insight into this very niche climbing community. So I really, as a whole, enjoyed the film. I thought it was entertaining, even though I knew that he survived the climb. I was still like on the edge of my seat while he was climbing that whole time, just because it was very nerve wracking. So it kept me really invested in this. Like the story was well plotted out. I thought they did a really good job with the pacing of everything. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. What about you? Generally speaking, I enjoyed it too mm-hmm. uh, for the cinematography. Uh-huh. The, the visual storytelling in this documentary is just uh, unmatched yeah. by anybody yeah. by any other movie. I'm that to me was the crowning jewel of this movie. The, the fact that they were able to capture all of this right. so clearly. I really liked it when they were um, filming. Just as an aside, they were filming his ascent, and they would film a shot of the of El Capitan, and then they would zoom in and enhance uh, on where he was. That was incredible. And I thought that was just like really like a well done kind and of gimmick. also, I feel like this movie was made for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so even people who do not know 
anything about climbing or terminology can go into this film and aren't able to access it mm-hmm. yeah. because they're so clear with their visual storytelling about this is what the wall looks like when right. you're standing here. This is the outline mm-hmm. and then of suddenly the it gets drawn onto the yeah. wall and then, and they would show that along his climb. Yeah. That was what this film did best. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on free soloing? I think it, I mean, I think honestly, it seems like, there is a death wish attached. Like even the best people at their jobs take away free soloing in general, have bad days and things go awry. And I feel like that is too high a risk to like throw out there to be like, okay, like, or like what if a at one point in the film when he's top roping, there's a bird that like flies at him yes. and then flies back out. Like what if something like that happens? He says that birds fly out of those cracks all the time. And I'm like, um, How do you not a start a bird yourself is off what the caused Sully Sullenberg <laughs> to have to, you know, emergency land, emergency yeah. land in the Hudson. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a bird can throw off a plane. A bird can throw off a single person. Yeah. I don't know. I think it just seems like does the, does the victory of it all outweigh all the risk? I, I don't think so for me. That um, is exactly my feeling yeah. too, because live your life and make your own choices mm-hmm. I am not going to free solo. There's no part of me that like is. I don't even want to lead climb like outdoors. Yeah. That's just not something I'm I'm interested in. That's fair. I like accessing the outdoors through hiking, through maybe a little bit of bouldering, and then maybe some indoor climbing, but that's not really accessing the outdoors. Mm-hmm. I would never make that choice for myself. Yeah. Which leads me to my general feelings about Alex. I loved this movie visually. I had a big problem with him. Yeah. As soon as I saw this movie three minutes in, I was like, he has got to be the Leoist Leo I have ever seen. And I was the only one in the movie theater watching it. So I quickly looked up his birthday and he is a Leo. Yeah. I just, I can't get past the sort of need. He doesn't seem like a bad person to me. No. But he does seem like somebody who absolutely just wants the attention for having done this. And the risk that he's taking to do this unbelievable, virtually impossible climb, like, what does it gain him other than just notoriety. the applause, yeah. the glory, the notoriety for doing it? And to me, personally, that's not enough. That is not enough to risk my life that much. If I'm going to risk my life that much, the outcome has got to help not just me, but help a ton of other people. Right. And it doesn't. I, I just feel so like it doesn't. I feel like, so here's what I'll say. I feel like he's a problematic person in some ways, but I also feel like there are redeemable qualities to him. So his foundation, I thought, was like a very redeemable arm of like him as a person, like he talks about that when he's visiting the students at his high school, um, where he, I think he said about a third of his income each year goes to this foundation, which works to help people in the developing world access electricity, um, and also does things to help the environment. I do feel like that is like an admirable way to utilize one's income. You know what I mean? I mean, sure. I'm not, again, I think there are certainly redeemable qualities about him too, but my, general feeling about him was like, I don't know that I would be his friend. I don't know that I want to hang out with him. I think he lives life on like the extreme end of things in a lot of different ways. Like 
I found a lot of like issue with before we were introduced to his girlfriends. Like there was a lot of conversation there that I found to be problematic. They were top rope climbing and he fell because she accidentally let the rope slip through the grigri. And he was like, I, you know, thought immediately about breaking up with her, like right there. Like he seems a little bit, I, I feel like there is an emotional distance and a detachment from most people. I don't think that he's incapable of that, but I feel like he's kind of boxed himself off to be so hyper-focused on this thing that he doesn't allow any kind of penetration into that emotional or, or part of his psyche. Tommy talks about armor in the film a lot and talks about like how, you know, he has this like really strong armor that he like puts up. Being in relationships with people sometimes like chinks away at that that armor a little bit. Not that he didn't like Sonny or anything, but he was just saying like that that can become a little bit of a detriment because it adds to your mental process and like what you have to think about when you're on the wall. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that emotional process. I understand all of the sort of like the mental game that this is and how it affects the person. That yeah. It's like, this is such a dangerous thing. I don't want to compare it to drug use. If somebody is doing something that will inevitably kill harmful. them and yeah. inevitably and like, potentially harmful at any moment, like fatal at all times, then like, why is there so much investment in making sure that, you know, their mental state is not like thwarted by like vulnerability? Mm. I feel like a lot of this film was making a lot of room for just an egotistical goal. Okay. You know, there was no part of me that was like, oh, I'm 100% in this guy's corner, except for I wanted to see him succeed. Oh, I obviously didn't I want to see, to see him, him like succeed. Yeah. fall or anything tragic happen no, by any means. Yeah. But I do feel like he does, there is a lot of like self-centeredness and a lot of like ego that's behind all of this. And I really did find that to be like a fascinating thing when like, again, talking about this girl who is like perfectly a lovely girl who was very rational and level-headed about really a lot of things um, and really was like aiming for his safety as well. And there was like this talk about like her saying like, I, you know, I tell Alex that I love him all the time and he's not there yet, you know, with that being able to like return that in kind. Um, You see that at the end of the film after he's climbed the top. You do, you do. And like that was like a little, you know, redeemable there. But I, I, I just like it just is so it was fascinating to me to see like his treatment of like a relationship, like a close, like love based relationship or sex based sure. relationship. And to kind of see how he approached that. And I was like, oh, this kind of told me a lot about him as a person, I think. Oh, like yeah. without everything else in the film, I was like, oh, OK, I see where we're at. Certainly, certainly. I I totally agree with you on that. I have watched many, many interviews with the directors of this movie. And Elizabeth often says that really what this movie is, is a character study of a person who has a goal to do this thing and then does. And I totally agree. It's less about the climb climb in the face of the wall. It's all about this human who goes from the ground all the way up and like what their mind has gone through right. in the process of training and thinking about and being able to do it. I'm sure there is like a substantial amount of ego needed in order to one, even dream up the possibility to do that and then also put in the work to do it and then to do it. Obviously he does say at the end of the film, I hope that 
some other little kid can see this and see something that they think is impossible and then push themselves to do something even bigger and better than I did, which I liked that. I did like that. Is that like the shot in the van? That was the shot in the van. I feel like, um, so Sonny was there watching the interview and I feel like she kind of gave this like, she threw like some shade. Maybe I like, did you see that? I didn't see that. Oh, but okay. my, I loved Sonny. Yeah. Because Sonny was like, dude, I'm giving you your space because you are the weirdest bird I've ever met. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm still here for you and I still yeah. like you. And I'm going to like, let these things go because you have found a way to incorporate them into your life. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I do get an opinion. Yeah. And now in his interviews since the film, he does say he isn't sure if he's going to continue to free solo because Sonny is still in his life. He has different priorities. Children is something that he thinks he wants. And he wouldn't continue to do that right. if they, if he did have yeah. children. Yeah. Because why would you do that? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. During the filming, there is one part where there is a climber that he knows from free soloing that dies um, while yeah. doing it. And he and his wife used to climb together. And so Sonny's even like, this is us. This is who we are. I right don't now. want this to be like the situation that happens where like all of a sudden you're just dead because you've made this choice. This is sort of where I am at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Which is why I was like, you need to see it so that we can discuss it. Because we're going to have, I know we are going to have varying opinions on it. Yeah. And I think that this is the intention of the of the filmmakers here. Because you can look at this film and see a regular person do something that seems totally superhuman and work extremely hard to do it. Right. And also, it can also be a film about an egomaniac who doesn't feel things, who only thinks about himself and this completely selfish goal. Mm. Frankly, I think it is purposeful that it is both things. Yeah, no, I think that it really does provide an interesting window and an interesting lens for us to view this person's goals and to see like, you know, I think you're right people are going to have varying opinions about it. You're going to find that a lot of people would probably be on the side of like, this is freaking crazy. But then you have some people that are definitely going to be like, wow, what an incredible journey. Like, sure. Yeah. And I think it is both of those stories. Like it's absolutely both of those stories simultaneously. And I think they captured that perfectly. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. And we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. Follow us on Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. That's Gaze, G-A-Z-E. And if you have any questions, trail recommendations, or things you would like for us to cover on this podcast, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. This episode was edited by Dustin Ballard. All original artwork featured on Instagram is by Michael Ryan. The theme song and original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman with Mary Klinger. 